Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined as always this week by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. We're we're over halfway through the fantasy season. Uh, in some of these leagues, we only have two or three weeks left in the regular season. So it's it's kind of surreal that uh, it's flown by so quickly. I don't know if you feel that same way. Yeah, I think that every year, you know, that it, just in general, how fast the league goes. And then you you incorporate, like you said, that, you know, the regular season for fantasy is kind of almost over. And just before I think of it, I just wanted to extend a uh, happy Veterans Day to all. And I hope everyone understands the real nature of this holiday and understands what the people, uh, the, the veterans in the United States have done for all of us. Absolutely. We're recording here on Friday afternoon, and and I definitely echo your sentiments. Uh, Matt, this week we're going to be answering some listener questions. We try to do this about once a month, and we got quite a few this time, so we'll try to tackle all of them. Before we get into those, though, I'm going to throw a wrinkle into this. I have a couple of points I want your input on, want to get your opinion on. Just from seeing some things in my leagues and reading some things on Twitter, I think these are kind of hot-button issues right now and they both have to do with dynasty league rules so let's start with the trade deadline i've seen some talk uh, mostly on twitter that maybe there shouldn't even be trade deadlines in fantasy leagues questioning why we even have those so i'm a commissioner as you know of quite a few leagues mm-hmm. I, I think all of my leagues have a trade deadline I, i'm pretty sure that there's so many that it, they kind of run together but yeah, we use the trade deadline. Week 11, for the most part, is the deadline in our leagues. Uh, but I'll, I do play in some leagues that don't use them. And, and even last year, I made a couple of trades after the playoffs had started. So that's the first thing I wanted to get your thoughts on. Should there be a trade deadline in dynasty leagues? I'm in, what, six leagues, and I've ne- and none of them do not have a deadline. And I've always thought you should not have a deadline. And I've honestly thought that for since I was a teenager with Major League Baseball and hockey and football to a lesser degree, people don't make deals. But why have a deadline? You know, I mean, if the Packers want to trade for Joe Thomas in week 17, what should stop them? I mean, I don't understand what the logic is of whoever created the idea that a deadline's a good idea, except for the cool thing about deadlines is especially in hockey and baseball, and and I guess it's to a lesser degree in in our fantasy leagues too, when there's a deadline, that spurs movement. You know, I mean, everybody all of a sudden reacts like crazy for those couple days, and that's fun. Yeah, that can be, uh, you know, that can be a highlight of the season sometimes, or, or a high point, I should say, is that deadline and everybody is active and, and trying to make a trade before it's too late. So it sounds like you think not only should there not be a deadline in fantasy leagues, but even in the real world. Leagues, yeah. should not have a, a deadline. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. The, the other one I wanted to throw out to you was the idea of tanking uh, again, as a commissioner, obviously we have rules against tanking in, in my leagues, but you know, it, it's tough to enforce. It's tough to identify sometimes. Maybe I should say it's tough to prove, you know, sometimes you, you know, a guy is tanking, but there's, He's not being too obvious about it. Maybe just making a bad call intentionally on a start sit or I've even seen some people define tanking as trading away high scoring veterans for draft picks, which I think is, is going too far. What are your feelings about tanking? Should it be allowed? 
no, it absolutely should not be allowed. If I trade all my good guys, though, and I'm starting, I'm actually pulling a Piper Active too because this team's pretty bad, and I want to make sure that I have everybody in. And I'm starting Traveris Cadet this week. So be it. If I'm making trades, you know, to make myself better. To me, tanking is not putting your best lineup in. You know, whatever that you're – it's nothing to do with your roster construction or roster building or trades you make. But if you look at your roster and you intentionally do not put your best roster in that you think can win, which, again, you know, leads to the very difficult for a commission to prove. But the telltale signs or neglect that you can't have is starting guys on buy or – I mean, it'd be. I mean, I think we've all done it, and I'm in too many leagues, and you're probably in way too many leagues. Where there's a guy that's questionable for a four o'clock game, I have him in all week, and then he's ruled out, and I forgot to run back and take him out of the lineup. To me, that's not a capital crime unless it happens over and over. To me, but if you're starting guys on buy or they're clearly injured, or I mean, that's dreadful. Or you're setting, you know, easy startable players. You know, I mean. I feel like starting Ezekiel Elliott this week. I I put Capri Bibbs in. You know, what I mean, like that's not okay. Yeah, I guess some of the support I saw, I, I guess almost in favor of tanking, was you know if a team is tanking, it's it's equal opportunity. They're they're basically just bowing out of contention. So instead of twelve teams going for the championship, you know now you have eleven or ten, depending on how many are doing this. But that basically balances out the league in that way. I'm not sure if I see no. it that way. I don't see it. I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't see it that way at all. Because if you and I are going for the title and in a, a critical week, you get to play against a team that doesn't show up, I mean, that doesn't count. I mean, that'd be like, you know, the Giants calling in and saying, hey, we're not going to play this week, so you guys get an automatic win. I mean, like, that's not fine by me. You know, uh, to me, that's the problem is I don't care that you ruin your own team, but don't give my opponent or me the advantage of playing against a crap-ass team because you don't put in the right guys. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. I guess I understand both sides opposing the trade de- deadline and opposing tanking, but for now, those those things are going to stay around in my leagues. Let's get to some of our questions. As I said, we've got quite a few. We'll do as many as we can here. The first one comes from Jimmy. Uh, These are all via Twitter. He mentions Tyler Lockett, Devin Funchess, says they had a lot of buzz this offseason, but both have failed to deliver this year. Uh, Which one's the better buy low? So, Matt, I know you were a big fan of Funchess. I kind of bought into the hype on Lockett. I, I targeted him in quite a few leagues. So I don't have much Funches. I do have several Tyler Lockett shares. I've been disappointed by both those guys. To me, it's still Lockett as far as the player to buy. I think he's in the better offense. I think he's he's more dynamic. Funches just looks stiff to me. What what do you see, and, and which one of those guys would you be buying? If, if Either one. I'm definitely buying Lockett. I've cooled on him a little because I thought by now he would have a piece of the pie, you know, and every week five to 10 target piece of the pie. And Jimmy Graham clearly has hurt him a lot. The offense in general hasn't been as good, but I think he's a much better player than Funches. You know, like whoever my favorite team is, I would rather they drafted Lockett than Funches, although they couldn't be any more different. I think his situation, 
don't know. Which situation do you think is better? I mean, I guess he's – I would think he has less in front of him in Carolina. You know, Olsen and Graham kind of cancel each other out. Benjamin versus Baldwin and those other receivers. I'm, either way, I, I think Lockett's just a much better football player, and I trust the Seahawks to use him more. Yeah, I think the situation is, is pretty similar uh, as far as, I guess, where they rank on their team or on their depth chart. I, I mentioned thinking the Seahawks offense is, is better, but that's, you know, that's close as well. They're, they're both, it, when they're on, they're both very, very good offenses with mm-hmm. Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. So, yeah, I guess what, in Funches' case, he was just never a guy I was a big believer in. He, I haven't seen anything to change my mind on that. So I I would side with Lockett there. But what are you giving up for him? Two seconds? I, I think that's probably the range you're talking about. You know, yeah. I, I would not give a first rounder for him. At the same time, if I own him, I'm probably not taking a first rounder to sell him unless it's top. I don't know. I guess it's from a non-playoff team. So top five or six. Yeah, but two seconds seems about right. Yeah. It was about a month ago on a team that I'm rebuilding – and I have a lot of future firsts for that reason. I gave up a future first, which should be a high one, a late one for Lockett, basically straight up. And I'm not doing cartwheels over that right now. Yeah. So let's let's go back to Funches for a second. Like I said, I know you were a supporter. You were Team Funches over Benjamin. Yeah. You said you're worried. Is he a guy you would be trying to buy low? Would you Would you give a late second for him? Probably on draft day if there wasn't the guy that I loved that I was wanting to scoop up right this second, I think that's a coin flip. I'm kind of like you. I didn't like him coming out of Michigan and, you know, is he a tight end? Is he a receiver? But he played with a a bad ankle for a a lot of his time at Michigan and didn't put very good tape out there. And then I saw glimpses last year and thought, okay, uh, this guy might be a guy. He might be a player. And part of the whole Benjamin versus Funches conversation is I'm just not that big of a Benjamin fan. You know, I'm not sure it's a pro Funches as much as anti Benjamin. Um, but they both fit the Carolina mold of big receivers, huge catching radiuses. Um, I guess I'd take it. I guess I would give up the what I think would be like the twentieth, the twenty fourth pick overall for Funches. You would not. I would not. No. Okay. No. No, I'm, I'm, I'd give a third for him. I don't think anybody's selling for a third. No, probably not. So, yeah, he's, he's probably not going to be a guy that's on many of my teams. All right, our next question comes from Caleb. He says, what do you do with owners who do not respond to trade talks or proposals, but they're still active? So I assume they're they're setting their lineups, they're making waiver moves. They're just uh, just not open to trade talks. What do you think about that? They're a bummer, <laughs> you know. I mean, like, uh, I have a few of those, and uh, you've probably ran into this too. That I, I think a few of them are. Matt knows more about the game than I do, so why would I trade with him if he wants one of my guys? That's a perfect opportunity for me to keep him. Um, and that's not to toot my own horn, you know. I mean, I do this for a living, and some people in my league are accountants and you know have a real job. Um, and I'm sure that you have that reputation too, that, you know, the, the radar goes up a little bit more when you ask for a trade as opposed to Johnny, the ditch digger or the accountant or whatever. But in general, I mean, I don't think we have a right to criticize anyone, how they run their team 
as long as they're conscientious and they feel the lineup, play by the rules, do their best to win. I mean, I have a dude in my redraft league that just isn't comfortable trading. He thinks he's going to lose every trade, so he doesn't do it. I, I, I couldn't be any more different, but to each their own. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you interpret the question. If you're talking about an owner who won't even respond to trade offers or just, See, that's wrong. just leaves those out there, we have rules against that in my league, so that would be, you know, that would be an issue. That would be a violation. Even if you're one of these guys who does not enjoy trading or, or maybe you're just scared to trade like you alluded to, mm-hmm. at least respond to the trade. At least click the reject button. It's not that hard. And that's frustrating enough, but that's, you know, that's easy to fix. If somebody's not going to respond to trades, if they're not even going to do to do that, then they're not going to be in the league. As I said, that is that is a violation of the rules. The more frustrating thing to me is these people who are timid, are scared to make a move. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know if it's that attitude, like you mentioned, that their their trade partner knows something that they don't, or if they're just worried about losing every trade, you know, and with the way social media is now, basically every trade that goes down in my league is eventually posted on Twitter and people are voting in polls and they're judging it. And we talked about that last week with our trade, our Eddie Lacey and Devontae Adams trade. Judgments are are being set, set forth. And if you can't handle that, then that doesn't always feel so good. So those are the guys that are more frustrating for me. I'd, I want to play in a league with everybody who's at least confident and competent enough to make some trades. Yeah, agreed. And it is a bummer, you know, and some of the dudes in the, the one league I'm in, they're, they're, they're successful. It's not like they're the garbage you know, teams in the league. They have a good team. They don't want to mess with it. I mean, that's, I guess, a different story is, hey, I know you want my guys, but I've built myself a good team. I'm winning. Don't come a knocking because I'm happy with how things are going. Yeah, exactly. Our next question comes from Justin. Justin says he wants to hear an update about my catch 22 team and wanted to know if I'd traded any of the first round picks, Matt, I think we've talked about this league before. I don't know if I've talked about it on here, so I'll, I'll give a quick rundown. This was a, an idea I had for a league uh, last off season when everybody was chasing 2017 first rounders and, and 2017 draft picks. I tried and tried and tried to acquire as many as I could in my leagues and was mostly unsuccessful. Uh, so I just decided to create a league where I would get all the first round rookie picks. I don't know this story, by the way. This okay, is this, crazy. This is a good one. <laughs> okay. So I created this league and found 11 other guys who were interested. The and you just entire, said, hey, I get all the first round picks and you don't get any? You want to join exactly, my league? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay. So again, the league is called Catch 22. And here's the Catch 22, both for me and for them, I get all the first round picks in 2017, but I did not participate in the startup draft at all. Zero. Wow, that's no. crazy. So the startup draft was 22 rounds, again, going back to the Catch-22 name. Um, and once the draft was over, everybody had their uh, their teams all set. I then chose my 22 players from the waiver wire. Wow. So that was that was the beginning of my team. And at that point, looking at who I was able to to get, uh, I was uh, I didn't horrible, have high, right? yeah exactly. I didn't have high hopes going into the you know into the league as far as what my team would look like in 2016. But when I actually had to 
get those players and saw what was left, it was it was worse than I imagined, especially <laughs> the especially at the receiver and running back position. So quarterback was pretty good. I, I got, got two questions uh, before you go further, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Could you? Okay, sort of drafts going on. Could you say, hey Johnny, I'll give you your first round pick back if I can have three oh five in the startup. Because somebody was there that you really wanted. Right. So I, I guess. And obviously, you would never trade yours because it's going to be first overall. Right. The rule we made with that was I could not. And and this ended up being such, I guess, such a popular idea that several guys at DLF wanted to try it as well. So we ended up having five catch 22 leagues with wow. five different DLF riders acting as, uh, I guess, playing my role where they didn't participate in. Mm-hmm the startup so there's there's a total of five leagues but the rule we came up with was none of the five of us could make a startup pick so if we wanted to go under the table and i you know if and i could say take this guy and when the draft's done that was that was okay but we couldn't make a startup pick uh physically ourselves okay and then one more quick question then in the second round of the 2017 entry draft you'll probably end up with you know one one or whatever two one but everybody else will get seconds and thirds, right? Just depending where they fall. Right. Three round okay. rookie draft. Everybody kept their own second and third, or at least they were allowed to. Obviously, that some of those they guys trade have traded right. those. But right, they they belong to them. Okay. So the team I ended up with, um, like I said, quarterback was pretty good. I got Alex Smith, I, and this is preseason Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tight end was okay. I got Kyle Rudolph. That was one of the players who is – has done well and, and went undrafted in our startup draft. Running back and wide receiver, like I said, was really ugly. Um, I did end up with Kristen Michael uh, off the waiver wire. I got Kenny Britt, who's done well. And then just throughout the, you know, the offseason, preseason, and, and now into the regular season, I've stayed active on the waiver wire and tried to add you know, anybody who had a pulse. Plays, yeah. Right. So, I would imagine I, you're okay at quarterback. Like you maybe have Kaepernick and Kessler or something like that. Yeah. So quarterback, I ended up, or right now I have Alex Smith, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. So okay. I'm somebody cut quarterback. Smith. Somebody cut Smith in a bye week or whatever, or you gave up a third round pick for him or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually have not made, and it's one of, um, one of Justin's questions. I haven't made a single trade in this league yet. Um, wow. So not only have I not traded any of the 12 first round picks, but I haven't, I haven't made any trades. I've got, I've been trying to sell Kristen Michael. I've tried to sell Kenny Britt and Kyle Rudolph to contenders. And Cause you need it, more picks. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, those, when you're rebuilding and that's, or, or building, I should say, that's certainly what I'm doing at this sure. point. You know, guys like that, they're not going to help in the long term. So, or maybe um, get eighteen second, and you know something like that. Right, right. So I, I need to with with the trade deadline coming up soon. I really need to make a push to move some of those guys. So to give the update, I, I guess those would be my best players at this point: Dak, Michael, Britt, and Rudolph. And then I've got a few other guys who are helping me week to week, like Cole Beasley and Anquan Bolden. Somebody should trade for Cole Beasley from you, though. And Dak was a nice pickup. Yeah, Dak is the guy I'm trying to hang on to. Yeah, Um, right. But any of the rest of, you know, the rest of those guys I I would gladly move. Uh, I've actually won two games. I won the second game last week. 
I'd be um, so mad I, if I lost you in that league. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it, you know it's it's been uh, kind of a case study with different strategies, and you know the productive struggle, or you know just sure punting year one, whatever you want to call it. That's been such a popular strategy. And people tried that strategy in this league, even though they didn't have their own first rounder, which I guess wow. that was kind of that was kind of a That's surprise to me. Yeah. So right now I have those pieces. I'm in tenth place, so I'm currently have I guess the 1.03 slot would be mine. Not that and, it matters. N- yeah, not that it matters. Uh, I guess other than my second round pick, if you want to look that far down the line. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just proud to win a game or, or now two games. And I think I think I can win one more. I don't I don't have a chance at the playoffs at this point, but I'm proud to win a couple of games with waiver wire players. Well, you got to keep us updated when the you know off season hits, and certainly the draft. You know, I mean, just think of <laughs> just think of recent years. Like, okay, I'll take Hyde, Odell, Landry, and just think if it was 2014. You know, the, the top 12 rookies from that class. I, I want to take. Sammy Evans, Watkins, Landry, Martavis Bryant, Moncrief, Hyde, and you know five others. Yeah, so <laughs> you know in in May or June, whenever we have our draft, it's going to be Fournette and Chubb and Cook and Juju and Mike Williams and Corey Davis. Yeah, and they're I all yours. I, I get all those guys. So the other the other interesting point or interesting, I guess, thing to follow from that league will be how quickly do those guys make an impact? So, I mean, everybody knew that those teams weren't going to compete this year, but can they, you know, with that uh, influx of rookie talent, can that turn it around immediately? Is it 2018 before that team could really contend? I think that's something to to watch. And I would imagine you're thinking this too, but, I would imagine, although you could easily fit 12 first-rounders on your roster. I mean, you're not going to have a problem cutting anyone. I would think you're going to be open to trades of, it'd be nice to have, you know, go through this year with four 2018 first-round picks in your pocket, too. Yeah, flip some of those picks for, mm-hmm. for future picks. That Yeah, that that is something to consider. I, I don't know, though. I, I mean, come draft time, it'll be different, I'm sure, but... You know, our rosters are 22 players. If you told me right now I had to cut 12 of them, I would have a tough time. Um, and you really need to cut 15 or 16, 17. Right. I mean, just I've, I just pulled my roster up. I'll run through it really quickly. Quarterback, I have Dak, Romo, and Smith, as I mentioned. Running back along with Michael, I have Peyton Barber, Alex Collins, the Seattle rookie, mm-hmm. James Starks, and Chris Thompson. So Thompson's been a pretty good pickup. Yeah, you don't want to cut him. Right. Wide receiver Cole Beasley, Bolden, Britt, Pharaoh Cooper, Marquise Lee, JJ Nelson, kind of a hot name. He's yeah. another guy he's another guy I want to hang on to. Uh Patterson, Eli Rogers, Kenny Stills. So a lot of like borderline yeah. guys there that, that can probably But I see what you're doing picking up Cordero Patterson and you know it, anybody it, that has a pulse. Exactly. So and then tight end, uh, Rudolph, ASJ, somebody cut him, Jesse James and Cameron Brait. Um, so I guess if, if nothing else, it's shown me that you can really punt. I mean, you can literally just wait as long as you want to in a startup draft at quarterback and tight end. Um, you know, I've got Rudolph, who's probably a top five or six tight end on the season. I've got Dak, who's 
top 10 or 12 quarterback. And I got those guys off the waiver wire. It's, it's not always that easy, but those are two positions that should be, uh, should not be a priority in startup drafts for the most part. And Romo might be the starter in the, with the jets next year, or, you know, I mean, it's, it, he may, his value might go up too, as, as a guy you could play for a year or two. Right. That's All right. That's fun talking about my own leagues, but we'll move on and, and get to some more questions. Our next one comes from Mike. He says, where does Melvin Gordon rank in a startup for next year? Uh, noting that he is only 23 years old and asking if he could get into the top 20. How are you feeling about Melvin Gordon? Do you remember where we picked them? Yeah, we just did a startup and I urged people to go check that out. There was three of us that were more or less picking, you know, uh, building uh, a team um, as if it were, you know, right now, I don't think it's going to change dramatically from this year to next. You know, did he go top 20? I would be, sh- I don't think he's a top 20 player for me, a dynasty asset for me. I don't think he's there for me either. And I honestly can't remember where he went in our dra- in mock draft. That was, uh, I wouldn't say third, the- maybe that was on last week's episode. Um, I do have our, our latest data from DLF, which is our November ADP data. Now I will say we started those drafts before, last week which was gordon's you know huge game 200, mm-hmm. 260 yards and another touchdown and uh, really looked uh, like a contributor as a receiver as well which is something kind of new for him uh, but in our dlf adp he has an adp of 30. so you know if you think he's 30 and that's before this huge game and and people you know, are going to keep moving him up. I mean, he's behind Demarius Thomas. I could see him jumping Demarius. He's behind Kelvin mm-hmm. Benjamin. Could could easily move ahead of him. Devontae Freeman is next. Uh, you know, if you're talking about guys, if you're talking about guys that are in that twenty range, it's more T. Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Lamar Miller. So, I, I think it would be a stretch for him to get to twenty, but. Uh, he's, you know, he's he's gaining a ton of value. Obviously, I think he's a good, solid, early third rounder in startups next year. I just wrote an article about him from a non-fantasy aspect. You know, just the emergence of him and why it happened and all those good things. <coughs> and excuse me, no, no doubt he's running better. He maybe was playing with an injury last year, a lot of O-line injuries against him, but he's he's certainly become a better player. But I also think a huge thing about him is he's the guy that benefited from Stevie Johnson going down, then Keenan Allen, then Woodhead. You know, like, uh, who else we got? And so I think his opportunity is probably at its peak, and I can't believe he can keep up the touchdown production. Yeah, the touchdown production is is as fluky this year probably as it was last year when he when he didn't score any. Um Right. I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I think he has. I think he has eleven this year, uh, one or two, um, as a receiver, and, and the rest on the ground. So you know, he probably at this at this point, he probably leads the league in touchdowns. But it, you know, is that sustainable into next year? There's been plenty plenty of studies to show that not really. Um, you know, I mean, even look at Allen Robinson as a receiver, fourteen touchdowns last year and, and we knew that was that was not going to repeat itself uh, another guy that uh, is, is being asked about here this is a question from colin and he says he's been getting a lot of trade offers for julian edelman 
which is hard for me to believe actually, and wants <laughs> to know what kind of value he has in draft picks. That's a tough one. Edelman, you know, I mean, he, of course, Brady was out at the beginning of the season. Uh, Edelman, he's not really been the focal point of that offense. They've mm-hmm. spread it around so much, like they always do. But, I mean, Gronk is the go-to there, obviously. Edelman, I don't know, he's like third. He's kind of looking like the third option in that in, in that offense right now. His best finish this year in any week is wide receiver 26. So he has yet to... He's yet to even score as a wide receiver two in any week this season. I didn't realize it was that bad for him, but that makes sense. And maybe better days are to come. I mean, I think Brady being in is certainly good for Edelman. I mean, he's so based on timing and getting it out quick, and Brady's the best at that. Jacoby Brissett's not going to thrive. You know, Edelman's not going to you know, thrive with Jacoby Brissett on, behind Fender and to a lesser degree, Jimmy. But I think Bennett hurts him a lot. Bennett's a Bennett's not going away. I mean, he's a, a big part of that offense. Well, and the same thing for White. Right, 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 right. And Deion Lewis is still looming. Yeah, so I, I saw a couple of interesting notes, or I found a couple of interesting notes about the Patriots. First of all, White has over 90% of his fantasy production as a receiver. Uh, so that, yeah, you know, that doesn't really surprise anybody, but he leads he leads all running backs with the highest percentage of his fantasy production coming from uh, coming as a receiver. So that's, that's affecting Edelman on the, the short throws. Bennett, I agree with you, but also Patriots wide receivers as a whole, not a single Patriots wide receiver this year has had 20 fantasy points in a single game. They're the only team in the league who have not done that. Um, So again, that's Bennett. He's had one that's Gronk. He's had two or three, and then James White has had some big weeks as well, most of those coming um, on his production as a receiver. So they're just spreading it around. If I can get an early second for Edelman, especially if I'm not contending, I'm jumping on it. If I have him and he's my wide receiver three or four and I'm contending, I'm probably just keeping him and, and hoping uh, that they can get it going again, as they often do. Uh, our next question comes from Phil. He wants to know about Hunter Henry. Should he trade him or keep him? What do you think about the Chargers' rookie tight end? I'm a big fan. Uh, I think Gates isn't long for this world. I know he's had a decent uh, couple games, but I, I, I thought early in the season Gates looked done. I, I think the tight end role is very you know, prominent in this offense. Uh, Rivers is still a great quarterback. I think Henry's been dealing with a couple injuries. Um, I would be more of a buy than a sell on Henry. I'm a big fan. I, I would be a buyer too, and I agree with pretty much everything you say there. Um, my concern is is what his cost is. So I've got this new series over at DLF. It's called the Player uh, Player or the Pick, and it's really a simple concept. Each week, I put out a, a couple of Twitter polls. Which which do you want in Dynasty? This player or this pick? And I'm very specific with the pick. And Hunter Henry was one of the players I, I featured this past week, and I matched him up with an early second-round pick in 2017, and he won that poll in a landslide. So that tells yeah. me if you're a buyer on Henry, it's got to be a first-rounder. And I don't know if I'm – I'm not ready to give a first-rounder for him, even as impressive as he's been. I regret it now, but I was buying Walford for 
two, three, two, four um, this past offseason before rookie drafts. And you know I wasn't real big on this rookie draft, especially at the time. I regret it, but I like Henry now more than I like Walford then. And, you know, that league where you have all the first-round picks, would you give up what you think would be a late first for him? No, I don't think so. I mean, I've, like I, I would said, it, I didn't like that league. I, I'm not, you know, I don't have superstars, obviously, with, with the format of that league. Yeah. But this has shown me I can get by with, I can get by with Kyle Rudolph and Cameron Brait and, and guys like that. Um, and I also know that just the way rookie tight ends are valued, I can use my second or third round pick this coming up year to get, um, you know, to get OJ Howard, the Alabama tight end, or Bucky Hodges, Virginia Tech tight end. Those guys are going to be second and third rounders. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, you know, you could also take the opposite approach. If all of a sudden you turn into a contender, you could go get Jason Witten for nothing, or you know, the old guy. Right, right. That's really my theory with. That's my theory with quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends. I'm not going to pay a premium for for hardly anybody, unless I think they're a long-term difference maker, you know, I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to give a first for Matt Ryan just because I need a quarterback. I'd rather give a third for Carson Palmer. Um, so same thing with Henry now. So that the question becomes, do you think he's a long-term difference maker? Do you think he's a, a eight year fantasy starter, plug him into your lineup and, and you're set. If that's the case, then yeah, I give a late first for him for sure. See, I think he is. I think he's a, uh eight to 10 year every week fantasy starter top 10 finish after top 10 finish. And of course, you know, injury could derail that in heartbeat. None of us know that. Um, But along those lines, I actually made a trade this week in a league where I'm good, but you know, I think I'm a little over 500, but I have a good team and I believe in it. And I have a lot of future picks, but my quarterbacks were Cutler, Flacco and Case Keenum. So I gave up what I think will be a late first and a 2018 second for Russell Wilson, which isn't something I usually do, but I think his stock's about as low as it's going to go. And I think he qualifies as that, you know, difference maker forever. But it was yeah, a lot I to give up. I, I mean, that's the kind of deal I'm fine with, but, but these guys who, you know, Ryan is, is the example I can think of because I mean, he's always been a good, solid fantasy starter. He had a bad year last year, and and right now he's the quarterback one. But I'm still not giving up a, a high pick for him, who who could be up and down, and you know he he could, doesn't run. Right. Uh, Wilson's in a different different category for me. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Next question comes from Pirate Life. He wants to know who would you rather have the next four years, Michael Thomas or Doug Baldwin. Oh, Thomas by leaps and bounds. Yeah, I, I guess I've never been a Baldwin fan. I never respect Baldwin enough, but I love I love Thomas. Yeah, Thomas is definitely one of the hot names in the dynasty community right now, and he's uh, deservedly so. I don't I don't think this is even close right now. I haven't looked it up, but I'm pretty certain Thomas is outscoring him on the season so far. And you know, if you've already got a rookie. An older rookie, albeit, but but a rookie outscoring a veteran, that's that's an easy decision for me. So not even close. We want Michael Thomas there. Yeah, no question. Next one from Adrian. Uh, he's asking about the Detroit backfield. 
Do we think that the Lions stick with Abdullah and Riddick as their core pieces next year? Do they bring in somebody else? And he's maybe comparing them to Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. What do you see in the, the Detroit backfield? I would really like to see more of Abdullah because I like this guy coming out. I mean, I think he's a good prospect. I mean, remember the Cardinals were itching that they could have got him and they end up getting stuck with David Johnson. I mean, like, Abdullah is impressive to me. I know Waldman loves him. I can see why. I want to see a full season, but that also leads to the fact of, are you ever going to see a full season? I I think of all the teams out there that the Lions are near the top of the list, not necessarily for running back need, but for big running back need. You know, the 225 to 240-pound bruiser. And I'm not sure who that guy will be, but if they could add this year's Jordan Howard, or you know, I think they'd be crazy not to. Yeah, I saw somebody mention the Texas running back, uh, Foreman, as maybe a, a good fit there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's him. He's 200 and, I don't know, 240 pounds. He's had kind of a breakout year for Texas. He's maybe the, the type of guy you're you're thinking about. And, and he's probably going to be, I don't know. Third round pick. Second or third round pick, third or fourth yeah. round pick. Um, they're not going to use a first round pick on a running back. I mean, no, no. they need defense. Yeah, they. I mean, they need a lot of things. I, I've been really, again, impressed with Theo Riddick. You know, they've even used him as uh, between the tackles ball carrier in the past couple of games. I don't know how well that's working, but his his production is ridiculous for what you know for what he is and and his expectations coming into the league, which were were almost nil. Um, so he's he's a guy that just kind of keeps hanging around. I've, I've been really impressed with him again this season. Ryan, I almost forgot to tell our listeners about Loot Crate. And they've been a, a great sponsors of ours pretty much from the beginning. They have a magical theme going right now up until November 19th. And if you're on the quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month. And it's an even better deal if you use our promo code. If you're more of the fanatical fantasia, then Lootwear or our monthly wearables and accessory subscription will fill your closet with cult classics and your favorite franchises. And if you want to get fancy, get a bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX. Uh, ready your wands, pre-measure your positions, and get ready for November's enchanting theme. It's magical. We've cast a powerful ancient spell to deliver you this 100% exclusive crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Big Trouble in Little China, amongst others. Uh, you have until the 19th at 9 o'clock Pacific time to subscribe and receive the magical crate. Uh, make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint. Enter the code Dynasty Blueprint and save two bucks off a month. Good stuff. Our next question comes from Jeff. Jeff said he needs a top-tier running back on his team. Uh, for both this year and the future. He says, besides Zeke, Gurley, David Johnson, who should he target? Is Gurley even in that conversation? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you've... I, mean, I have a hard time buying him right now. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of Gurley talk today, and it hasn't been good. I saw quite a few tweets from Evan Silva. So uh, if you're <clears> listening to this now, go back and check his timeline uh, the past few days and it's, it's kind of depressing. Lots of Trent Richardson talk there. Uh, 
one guy I think that is in the conversation belongs in that category is, is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Jeff didn't mention him. I don't know if he has him on his roster or what, but he's he's certainly still among the top tier for me. But you trade Gurley for Bell right now, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah easily. I mean, Gurley is. You know, I don't know how much of it is is his fault. I'm not a scout like you are, so you know, maybe uh, I'm sure you have a lot more insight on this. So I don't know if it's his fault or if it's line or if it's Jeff Fisher or if it's, you know, eight in the box and terrible quarterback play. But I mean, it's, it's just not happening at all, at all, at all. Right. And I, and I don't see any, you know, I don't see that light at the end of the tunnel either, especially when you're, you know, they're talking about Fisher and, and these guys getting contract extensions. That's, that's scary from a fantasy perspective. They almost need Goff to become a star, and then they don't have first-round picks to get him supporting cast, and Fisher's not real helpful. And Greg Cosell said it real well. He said, on tape, Gurley looks like he's expecting to get hit, you know, like that he doesn't trust his blocking at all, and I think that's very accurate. Yeah, and that same um, player versus the pick series that I was mentioning earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, I did, I did Gurley and, and compared him, or I guess pitted him against a high 2017 first, and he he won that in a landslide. I I think I would take a you know if I can get a Fournette or a Cook or mm-hmm. you know the Chubb or these guys even just one roll of the receivers, dice to see where they land. I think I'm just cashing in at this point. Maybe maybe that's too soon, too much too soon, but. Yeah, I'm worried about Gurley. Um, but to answer the question, I think Freeman's in that conversation. But I'm with you. I mean, I'm not going to go spend all my draft capital next year to add Freeman or Gordon. I'm an Ajayi fan, although I don't love the knee situation. He, uh, I mean, obviously these these past three games, he had the back-to-back 200-yard games. He had 130 total yards last week with a touchdown. He was running back five, so – in the past three games he's played, he's been running back three, running back three, running back five. And in our November ADP, he's all the way up to running back eight. And that's that's moving from uh, somewhere in the 20s to running back eight. So a huge jump in value for him. Are you flipping a late first rounder for Ajayi at this point? Probably. Yeah. I mean, just being around teams, though, medical really scares me. You know, I mean, as a scout, and at one point, doctors said, this guy's a second-round talent, but you can't use the pick until the fifth round on him. And I don't know if that's one away. But how long do running backs last anyways? You know, if you get three years of running back one production out of it, it's certainly worth it. What about J.J. versus Lamar Miller? Who are you, who are you t- opting for there? Well, I was just about to ask you, in another podcast, just football, I was asked, who's a better player, Ajayi or Gordon? And I think Ajayi's a better football player. If you throw Miller in there and make the three of them, I would probably put Gordon last, and I think I'd put Ajayi first. But I also lean towards big guys. And Miller, to me, will never be a power back or a chain mover. But for fantasy, he's probably the best receiver of the group and probably the most dynamic. Not a lot of tread off his tires, considering how proven he is. 
I think I'd go Miller, Ajayi, Gordon. I think I would go Gordon, Ajayi, Miller. I'm just, you know, we've talked about Miller on yeah. here before. Neither one of us were really big believers in him. They gave him the big workload early in the season, and that didn't, you know, didn't result in much production. He did have the huge game on, uh, was that Sunday night or Monday night football a couple weeks ago? Yeah. But those, you know, for what they gave him and for what fantasy owners have given up for him, those those types of games have been uh, few and far between. I'm not an Osweiler fan, but it wouldn't shock me coming off their bye that they're a little bit better on offense going forward and there's more production to go around. I mean, it's just because I trust that coaching staff to get more out of that the talent they have there. Would you take Freeman over all three of those guys we just mentioned? I think I'd prefer prefer Gordon. Would you? Yeah, yeah. They're all they're all pretty close for me though. And, but you're and not paying reality, the going rate. You're not paying yeah, the iron price for them. In reality, unless I'm getting guys like that in the second round of a rookie draft, you know, guys that turn into that, I'm not going to have those guys on my roster anyway. I think we'd both have this guy behind that crew. But what about Jordan Howard? Yeah, he's behind that, behind those guys for me still. Um, I know you're a big fan. We had, uh, I see he's produced fantasy numbers. You know, touchdown yeah. guy. Yeah, we had Curtis Patrick on uh, a couple weeks ago, and or last week he was he mentioned being a big fan of Howard as well. I'm still not quite there. I'm worried that the Bears aren't going to be sold. So we'll see what 2017 looks like for them. Our next question comes from Tyler. He says very simply, "What are you doing with Zach Ertz?" Buying, selling, do you like what you've seen from Ertz? He's had a pretty terrible year. Finally got it going last week with uh, with his best game of the year. He had almost 100 yards, I believe. He's currently the tight end. Oh, he's way down here. He's the tight end 29 on the season. Are you buying Ertz low at this point? Maybe. Uh, I guess it depends what that cost is. I've never thought that he's a elite talent, you know, like Eric Ebron's much more talented than him, has a higher ceiling. Um, not that I love Ebron, but I'm just, you know, Eifert and those guys. I don't think Ertz can ever become those type of guys. Kelsey, Eifert, Olsen, I don't think he'll ever be that. However, I do think that their receivers are poor. We saw this last week. They used Trey Burton and Ertz a lot more in the middle of the field. And I think that offense is sort of, Suited that way. I mean, I, I think you could see his role growing at least a little bit. But I also think that there's a real good chance that Philadelphia this offseason either uses a first-round pick on a receiver or goes and signs Alshon Jeffrey, or they're going to have to do something. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you more about was just the state of the Eagles in general. Uh, there were high hopes with that team, especially when they brought in Peterson and seeing what he had done uh, in Kansas City, kind of building around that tight end position. There there were high hopes for Ertz, and like I said, he's done nothing. He had 97 yards last week. Before that, his high game was 58 yards in week one. He had the rib injury that kept him out a couple of games. He still hasn't scored a touchdown on the season. Uh, he's only broken double-digit fantasy points uh, twice, it looks like. So, yeah, he's in in my rankings this year. He's been bypassed by Eric Ebron. I initially had had Ertz higher. Ebron's bypassed him. 
Hunter Henry's bypassed him. Jimmy Graham has gone back ahead of him with his performance. So Ertz is like, uh, he's probably, he might be outside of my top 10 tight ends right now. And yeah, I think he, so. He's just not a guy that really helps you. At the same time, you know, you, you can't sell. Are you going to sell for a third round pick? Eh, I don't know. I, that doesn't feel very, uh, very wise. Uh, I'd rather just keep him around and hope he turns it on. Because he's, you know, I don't think he's ever going to lose value. I mean, if he's your second tight end, I think you're happy with him and you start him on bye weeks or your guy goes down or somebody isn't working out for you. But I don't think he's ever going to be your top five, top six league winner. Right. All right, we're going to get one last question. This one comes from Charlie. And this is this is a great question. Thoughts on selling a day early rather than a day late. And he mentions the example of Des Bryant. Would you take 90% of today's value? So basically maybe sell a little bit of a discount right now or cash out a year from now when his value is, has dropped. Demarius Thomas is a good one to talk about. I mean, it's already kind of happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Demarius. Well, Demarius is an interesting one because I think his value was, not completely gone, but his value was fading even this offseason. You know, you were, oh, starting, for sure. yeah. you were starting to see him fall to the third round of startup drafts. You were seeing him flipped for future first round picks, even up. But he's produced this year. You know, he's he's had uh, five or six games as a top 20 wide receiver. Uh, he hasn't had any of those elite games, which maybe is is the fault of Trevor Simeon. But he's a fantasy starter. Dez with the injury, it's t- it's tough to really analyze his value right now. It's obviously dropped, so I I don't think now is the time to sell. With guys like that, I'd rather wait. You know, we've we've seen them both produce at an elite level. I'd rather wait until they start flashing that again and, and take that chance and sell at that point. I think I'm the opposite. I mean, unless I'm in total win now mode and I'm starting them every week and I got a good chance to win it this year and put some cash in my pocket, I'm kind of the Belichick guy that's dump them while you can. I don't want them to be stuck on my roster. And I think we talked about what I did with, with Thomas, Demarius, is I won the league with him like two years ago when him and Manning were awesome together. And and then I, I, I furiously tried to dump them this offseason season. I end up trading them for Spencer Ware, Zach Ertz, who I dumped the next the next day, and like a second round pick. And Twitter killed me for it, you know. And the reason was I wanted Ware. I thought Ware was, you know, and I'm happy about that part now. Um, but that's a sell low. I mean, compared to him, mean, he was a first round startup guy not too long ago. Um, I just always fear, and maybe it's the Chad Parsons view of things that I don't want to be stuck with a guy that's just a, a very much diminished asset, you know that. Uh, he's he's hardly he's kind of used up and he's sitting on my roster and those guys aren't to that point but it's not that far away but could they go on to have a Larry Fitzgerald career you know and you know or Steve Smith or Brandon Marshall or you know still be useful assets even though they're old men it could I think if you're not contending or if you're middle of the pack it's really easy to say sell Demarius sell Des sell you know I don't know guys 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 like that yeah i think the the tough decision is when you're contending so what about the the group of brown julio green gronk those guys are all 27 or 28 Mm 
mm-hmm. they're all still major contributors, you know, among the top uh, top fantasy scorers in their position across the league. We used first round picks on them just last week. Yeah, exactly. Still, yeah. still very much worth a, a first round startup pick. Do you want to get out of those? Get out of of owning those guys now, or do you want to wait until this time next year when they have Dez and Demarius value potentially? It's a little early for me on those guys. Well, uh, I mean, I, that's you know that's that's, that's what we were saying. That's right. what we were saying last year about Dez and Demarius. Yeah, 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 I hear you. That's a really good question, and not to avoid that because that's kind of like the million dollar question, but it really depends on my makeup of my team. You know, if I think I'm pretty darn good in it for the next year or two, I think I stick with them and trust myself to rebuild with youth to be the next guys. But if I'm looking at my team going, man, there's six teams in the league that are clearly better than me, I think I'm getting out. We kind of started this conversation last week with uh, with Curtis. And, and after that, I went out and made a couple of offers. Uh, contending teams, I think both of these are first-place teams. I offered Julio Jones even up for Mike Evans on one contending huh. team, and that got rejected. And then another one, a first-place team, I offered Antonio Brown for – and there were some other pieces. And, and this one's a contract league, so that kind of throws things off as well. But Antonio Brown and Mark Ingram for Spencer Ware and Amari Cooper. And that got rejected as well. So, you know, it's it's not so easy to just say, yeah, cash out on Green and Brown and and Julio. Just go flip them for the next, you know, twenty two year old top ten wide receiver. Not yeah, that people easy. aren't giving Evans and Cooper away. Yeah, Evans, Cooper, even even Robinson, maybe Sammy. Hopkins. Yeah, Sam's. Sammy might be the best buy right now Target, in, yeah. in, you know, in dynasty leagues. Yeah. Um, he used the first round pick on him, I think, this past week. Oh, yeah, last week. Ended, in, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, sure. and I would again. And, you know, I'd take him over I, Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, that I'm was not, close for me, but, yeah, probably so. Yeah, I hear you. I, I definitely think he's end of – into first round value in a startup in the spring. If he's there, that's a pretty easy pick for me. All right, Matt, that is going to do it for our questions today. We, we've got quite a few that we didn't get to answer. As always, we'll try to answer those on Twitter. And if you have others, keep them coming. We always try to, uh, to answer every question we get. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.